Welcome to Woke and Confused, the podcast delving into the environmental dilemmas of our time. From palm oil to plastics, climate change to behaviour change, doing the right thing can be a complete minefield. We're on this journey with you and we'll be exploring some of the day-to-day challenges we face and the decisions we struggle to make. We're your hosts, Livy Drake and Jessica Farrow, and we're Woke and Confused. Coming up in today's episode, we look at the substance that sneakily found its way into almost all of our household items, from shampoo to peanut butter. But is palm oil as bad as everyone thinks? But first off, let's catch up on our dilemmas. Dilemmas. So, Jess, what's going on with you? Well, I actually have a listener dilemma today. I got a message from my friend Dan, who is trying to grow tomatoes in his garden. And he was asking if the amount of water that he's using to water his tomatoes and get a tiny yield of like three leathery, not very tasty tomatoes, is it worth it compared to shop-bought tomatoes? Now, I just want to check, is this your dilemma or is that his dilemma? Asking for a friend. Um, <laughs> no, it's definitely mine. My, my growing this year has been pathetic because the slugs ate all my courgettes plants before they even kind of got to a level where they're growing any courgettes. Well, uh, if he's asking, uh, some advice I would say maybe using um, like uh, washing up water or water that you might have used for something else. Um, uh, use that instead of using like sort of fresh water or rainwater. Harvesting? Well, yeah, I suggested using rainwater harvesting, and he says that he was using rainwater harvesting. So I said that's that's good. And of course, there's so many benefits to growing your own stuff, which has you know well-being benefits and just mm. is nice to pot around the garden and it's good for your mental health. Yeah. So I said that, and he said yes, obviously. But yeah, in this country, I don't think yeah tomatoes are a bit of a difficult one to grow. Maybe try growing some salad leaves or something. Yeah, you can grow them on uh, inside on your windowsill. Mm-hmm. What about you, dilemmas wise? Well, I uh, this has been like an ongoing thing for me. I try and live dairy free as possible. I've been sort of as a vegan, um, now I'm a flexigan, so I really try and avoid my dairy. But I feel like there's a massive issue with a lot of things that are um, considered vegan is because they've actually switched from dairy to palm oil, and I just have this thing like, oh god, a cow versus a, a orangutan. I mean, which which do I want to save the most? You know, when people go, like, oh, look, this is vegan. Yeah, but deforestation, ah, orangutans, yeah. ah. Because people always talk about like Oreos being accidentally vegan. Yeah. Um, as in they don't have any dairy. So yeah, that's the kind of thing you're talking about. Mm. Ah, well, luckily we're going to look at palm oil today. Ah, oh, hallelujah. Cool, let's dive in. So what's the big deal with palm oil? There's a couple of things. There's environmental issues and social issues. So first of all, environmental issues. Palm oil is a product from the oil palm. That is, it's kind of like a palm tree looking tree that grows in the tropics. So it grows in the rainforests. It originated from Africa, but it quickly became a really good crop because of its very bountiful and high yielding oil. So it comes from these nuts on these trees that basically yields this colourless, odourless, really versatile, very useful oil that became quite prominent in cooking. And it was found that when they were taken over to places like Indonesia and Malaysia, that they could grow very well and very quickly. So they quite quickly became a good cash crop. And with the growth of our consumer culture and processed food and 
it being an oil with many different uses, it became very valuable. So a lot of people started growing it. So not just smallholder farmers, but also larger, more industrial operations. And that has led to the deforestation of a lot of rainforests Mm. in places like Indonesia and Malaysia, which are very lush, very biodiverse areas. So a lot of people think palm oil is synonymous with rainforest destruction. So we'll cover more of that later. So that's one of the issues with it. On a social side, you also have, because they're being grown in these places like Indonesia, which have a weaker rule of law than some of these more Western countries, there is a lot of issues around slave labour, child labour. So apparently it's in the four top industries for potential human rights issues. That's a big issue. And I suppose a lot of those countries, corruption is sort of part of day-to-day life. I mean, I've been to Indonesia. I think you've got some personal That's right, yeah. So I actually grew up in Indonesia um, and it's an amazing country. I absolutely love everything about it. But one of the things um, I did notice, I mean, corruption is rife and it's the kind of place where my mum went for lunch with a with an Indonesian lady one time when we were kids. Um, my brother was 15 and the lady asked my mum if my brother could drive and she said no. And she said, well, do you want me to get him a driving license? So she was basically implying that she could just give some money to someone and get a driving license mm. for my 15 year old brother who my mum said, absolutely not. He doesn't drive. He can't drive. I'm not going to let him loose even if he has got a driving license. It's also the place where if you go and play golf, the caddy will doctor your card but to make you look like you've got a better score. Um, it's just kind of every an everyday occurrence which just slips into daily life mm. that things aren't necessary by the book. You can always pay someone to get a, the answer you want. So in terms of regulation and certifications, it's quite difficult to regulate this industry when everyone's got a bribery price. So one of the massive campaigns that's really brought this issue to the fore was last year, the Greenpeace, the campaigning organisation, teamed up with Iceland, the UK supermarket. And they um, had this video that played during the Christmas period. It's going to be an advert on telly and then trading standards banned it. And so it, it got even more exposure. It's a very emotive story of this lovely orangutan, this beautiful, cute cartoon. Should we play a bit of it now? Yep. There's a rangtan in my bedroom and I don't know what to do. She plays with all my teddies and keeps borrowing my shoe. She destroys all of my houseplants and she keeps on shouting, ooh. She throws away my chocolate and she howls at my shampoo. There's a rangtan in my bedroom and I don't want her to stay. So I told the naughty rangtan that she had to go away. Oh, rangtan in my bedroom, just before you go, Why were you in my bedroom? I really want to know. There's a human in my forest and I don't know what to do. He destroyed all of our trees for your food and your shampoo. There's a human in my forest and I don't know what to do. He took away my mother and I'm scared he'll take me too. So yeah, watching that advert, it's just, it's so, it's so well done. It's really evocative. It's a really strong message. It's Emma Thompson narrating it. It's just really effective storytelling. But what it's telling us to do is to boycott palm oil products because they're causing rainforest deforestation. So a lot of environmentalists took issue with the way the messaging came across in this. And they've said that what Iceland has done by encouraging people to choose palm oil free products is actually missing the point of what actually needs to happen. So in terms of boycotting, we wanted to find out more whether boycotting was the right thing to do. 
So we spoke to Jenny Briggs, who's an environmental consultant, and she's worked a lot on the palm oil issues. And I asked her if the Iceland advert was palm oil's blue planet moment. I think Rangtan kind of brought it to a fold where everyone was even more aware and kind of talking about it in a way that I was quite frustrated with, just having worked with a variety of different partners um, in the industry it was just quite hard to see lots of people who really they were affected by that advert and they really wanted to do a good thing and wanted to to spread awareness but their message was all boycott boycott stay away from it um and it's just it's it's so much more than that you can't just stay away from something that is in all of the products we use like palm oil is in your toothpaste it's in your shampoo it's in your chocolate like you literally can't walk down a supermarket aisle without probably 50% of those products incorporating palm oil in some way. So to to ban it and boycott it, I think, is, is also not possible. Um, it's really unrealistic. And then there are so many other issues around it, like it's actually a really amazing crop. And if it's grown sustainably, it's um, the yield is much higher than lots of other vegetable oils. So... Actually, if we switched and started producing way more rapeseed oil, we'd probably need 10 times the amount of land. So, yeah, there's there's so many issues around it. And those kind of adverts that appear, they spread the issue about deforestation, but it, it, they don't really explain the the true realities of, of that sector. I can't call it a blue planet moment because for me, the blue planet and plastics, people were really educating themselves on it, whereas... There was a lot of media coverage, which was very much avoid these ingredients, go away from this horrible thing that's doing this to the orangutans. And you kind of think, actually, like, has this been helpful? I think we can look back at it in a few years and think, actually, has this moved this forward? Yeah, maybe it has. But I'm not sure at the moment that that has resulted in direct action that has influenced very much beyond highlighting Iceland and getting them more sales and uptake in customers that's personally like that's quite a cynical look but that's how I feel um yeah well wasn't it like that they had some pictures of like cakes that had palm oil on them before and then uh Iceland ones and then afterwards they just took the Iceland logo off but it was the exact same product just didn't have the Iceland logo on is that right yeah I think it's because they so they made a commitment to cut all palm oil out by a certain date and then they realized that they actually couldn't do it by that date so they still they decided to still sell the product but then take their logo off as if that yeah. was um yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even know if they've managed to fully cut it out yet who knows and who knows what the other ingredient is we, we will never know probably oh so maybe boycotting isn't the right thing to do yeah, so the Iceland advert had us believe that boycotting was the right thing to do, but it sounds like it's a lot more complicated than that. Well, they couldn't even boycott it. So there <laughs> we go. That's That proves it. Yeah, so it's, it's the message that people want to hear, but it's not the right one. So the other thing is, if we look in our kitchen cupboards, let's have a look at some of these things. We've got some biscuit wrappers out here, and we're looking on the back of the packets. We've got some gluten-free uh, Nern's biscuit breaks in here. It says... Palm fruit oil. Oh, sustainable palm fruit oil. Well, that sounds nice. Maybe that's not palm oil. It comes from a fruit. Maybe it's a different one. <laughs> okay. 
What's on yours? Um, well, I've got some Mr. Kipling cakes here, and they've got all of the oils in here. They've got unsalted butter, vegetable oils, palm, rapeseed, glycerine. Wow. Jeez, that's an oily cake. Yeah. Um, we also have some, well, the thing that I really use is that Bouillon stock. So it's eco brand, it's vegan. But yeah, it does say on the back, palm oil brackets sustainable, but there's no... Um, certification there's no certification there's no like you know like you've got soil association certified organic thing there's not a logo on here so how do i know what that means when it says sustainable palm oil well exactly sustainable is such an overused word and it i mean what does it even mean anymore yeah how do we know it's not just greenwash i mean anyone yeah. can just write sustainable, sustainable palm exactly. oil on their ingredients listing on the back so there actually is a certification it's called rspo that stands for the round table on sustainable palm oil and the RSPO was established in 2004, and the aim of that was to promote the growth and use of sustainable palm oil products. And it has now more than 4,000 members worldwide, and they represent all the different links along the palm oil supply chain. So let's hear what Jenny has to say mm. about the RSPO. Yeah. As a consumer, the best thing you can do right now is to buy RSPO certified palm oil if you're buying palm oil products? Yes, yes. And actually, the really annoying thing for consumers is it's not as black and white as that because lots of products, because of these endless campaigns like the Iceland one, have kind of raised the profile of the debate and, and kind of made it into a black and white issue. It's unfortunately meant that lots of brands are choosing to not put the RSPO logo on their products. So, it's not as easy as saying, oh, only buy sustainable products that source sustainable palm oil, because often you might struggle to find which products do. Well, no wonder people don't want to put the RSPO label on there. It's tricksy, isn't it? Yeah, that makes sense. My Bouillon doesn't have the logo. So there's been actually quite a lot of negative press about yeah. the RSPO, hasn't there? So Friends of the Earth last year, they released a statement in 2018 saying the RSPO represents 14 years of failure to eliminate violence and destruction in the industrial palm oil sector. So a lot of people are saying that the RSPO aren't doing enough and basically it's been a way of greenwashing the industry. Mm. Well, I am just reading up on Ethical Consumer because they're always a good place to check these things. And in 2018, the RSPO did terminate the membership of four companies and suspended 55 more um, for a repeated failure. So this does suggest how problematic the industry is. This just shows back the point about working in these quite challenging areas or regions where the rule of law is difficult to enforce, especially in jungle or rainforest environments. I, I can understand that they've got a huge challenge at their hands and I appreciate that they're trying and that's brilliant. But when you've got profit so high on the agenda here, you can see why it's a complete minefield. So also, um, according to Ethical Consumer, there is a new body called the Palm Oil Innovation Group, and they are aiming to improve the RSPO standards, looking at the environmental, social and supply chain issues. So they are sort of their lobbying as well. Okay, so hopefully then with this new lobbying group and Jenny also mentioned about the deforestation-free standard that's coming. Oh, what's this? Oh, well, let's let her explain. So currently the best thing we have is to look for RSPO, Roundtable for Sustainable Palm Oil, certified palm oil. But we still, that's currently not a deforestation-free standard, is it? Yes, it is. So they... 
they made that announcement last year at their roundtable. They've they've committed to deforestation free across their whole standards. So that's not just their RSPO next category, but the the thing about the RSPO is they make a standard and they are pushing for their members to comply to that standard. But they have, you know, they can't police every member. There needs to be public demand for them to meet that standard. If public demand was pushing these big companies and big corporate bodies to back sustainable palm oil, I think that would mean that the incentive and impetus is on them to to support it in all its dimensions and actually abide by the standard and publish those reports publicly and prove that they're doing it instead of just signing up and then hiding away and not being as open and transparent as they should be. So I've been in conversation with some brands recently who are actually trying to find alternative oils. And interestingly, one of them, they've got this lovely sort of combination of shea, butter, coconut oil. It sounded like something you want to put on your skin, actually. And uh, and then they said that they couldn't get it anymore because somebody else wanted it. So it sounds like because of the complexity of this and the sort of the consumer uproar, Brands are scrambling to find other oils. And then they told me that actually there's a massive issue with coconut oil because they use monkeys to scramble up the trees to get the coconuts because they can get thousands more than the human can. And it's not like, oh, they're just like, up you go. They're trained to be coconut collectors. And there's questions about whether they're actually stealing monkeys from the rainforest, shooting their mothers and getting the babies and then bringing them up. As slaves. Ah, okay. I don't like the way all of these oils are being used to exploit people and monkeys in faraway places. How about we use an oil which is produced locally in the UK or in Europe? What about rapeseed oil? Well, this is the other thing, isn't it? Like rapeseed oil. All of these oils need lots of land to um, grow them. And then you've got the issues of sort of mass agriculture and way that it's just highly intensively farmed. It doesn't look after the soil and you end up with um, poor quality soil. So that's a big issue. And shall I tell you about olive oil? Are you ready for this one? I don't I mean, everyone take a moment here. So olive oil is now killing songbirds. A recent campaign I saw online showed that they've started harvesting olives at night because they get a better flavour for olives, which means that this industrial harvesting, it's not people going pulling off one olive at a time. They're using mass farm machinery and they're capturing nesting songbirds. So now they've got dead dead birds and olives. So basically, we can try and bring these oils back to Europe or away from the tropics, but all of these have their individual issues around land use, around social, around mm. animals. So it seems that no oil gets off scot-free. It's a greasy topic. <laughs> it's a greasy topic. God. Okay, so this is thoroughly depressing. And actually, Jenny talked about this. She said that actually palm oil it, it does have its issues, but we shouldn't be scapegoating it. If we return to it and think about it for its positives, it's very good because it has very high yields per land use area. It's so versatile and it's also providing work. And, you know, we talked about slave labour before, which is obviously a huge issue um, that shouldn't be overlooked. But it does provide lots of legitimate jobs and income for people in those countries and in those places. And I know when I went to Malaysia, I was with a taxi driver going somewhere and he was so proud of this industry that they had and he was showing me photographs of it because for them, they were like, we're entering the modern world. You know, that's like, we need to check ourselves in that. You know, why shouldn't these people be able to become 
you know, developed countries, why can't they have the lifestyle that we have? Exactly. And you talk about, uh, well, we talked about rapeseed oil. So if we're saying let's um, put, plant rapeseed oil instead, that's essentially, we used to have forests in this country exactly. and we've deforested them to make farmland. So maybe they, they, I mean, they have the absolute right to make those decisions. Mm. But the problem is for me is that it's our consumer culture that's driving it. Yeah, for sure. And for sure. it seems that palm oil production has gone up so much in the last 20 years and it's gone up in line with that consumer culture mm. it's gone up in line with us all getting biscuits and packaged food and cakes and buying loads of this stuff basically mm. that contains more and more of it because it's this wonder product but i think what we should question is palm oil the biggest deforestation issue of our time if we're looking at food no and actually jenny had something really important to say about this just linking that orangutan and its habitat to palm oil as being the chief destroyer of everything. It's quite a hard line to take and, it, and it's actually wrong. Like the chief deforester is livestock and it's growing feed for livestock. So lots mm. of people, they, they want to consider that. Palm oil's the scapegoat then. Exactly, yeah. Palm oil, unfortunately, is getting like the worst rap of them all when it's actually probably moved in the past. I think it, it, it was, you know, a huge issue and... The industry came together and they thought we need to stop this. And that's how the roundtable on sustainable palm oil came about. Um, and they still probably have a long way to go. It's still not completely deforestation free. But if you compare that to the livestock industry, I mean, it's a completely different world. I think people don't want to associate the issues that surround livestock and, and feed for livestock just because they like eating meat and, you know, palm oil is an easy scapegoat because they don't really understand what it is <laughs> so Interesting. you can say i've boycotted but have you because mm, it's are you still using toothpaste are you still using shampoo yes. exactly. mm. yeah i think the thing is though it's still it's kind of this sad state of affairs that it's, we live in a world and we live in a society where palm oil is so insidious and kind of omnipresent mm. that it's in everything and it it, it makes me it makes me feel guilty or sad as a consumer just for kind of living and operating in this society that I'm part of. And that's a difficult thing to come to terms with because I don't want that to be the case. And I do feel like I don't, we didn't used to always have palm oil and everything. So how, mm. how's it got to this point? Well, I think it's got to this point. Um, and I think it, I mean, you can probably blame it on supermarkets and just the growth of industry in the last like 50 years. But palm oil is like one of these miracle substances that like extend shelf life. It also helps create that almost like that texture, like that you can find in shampoo and um, toothpaste and things like that. So it doesn't melt. It kind of is a really good thing that combines ingredients together to create. Mm. So it's as soon as those kind of industries uncovered the magic reality of palm oil they started creating products that we now all rely on mm. um, to suit our supermarkets and to be ready for our shelves and at 24 hours a day in this format and it's kind of the demands there and while the demands there industry will create products that are meeting those demands so I think it's even though we didn't used to have it as much you know it wasn't prevalent everywhere it's a we're not going to be able to just suddenly scratch out the last 50 years and think, oh, let's just cut it out now. Like, I think we've come too far. And actually, we need to just think about 
how can we make that industry more sustainable? How can we make sure they're not cutting down more valuable biodiverse rainforests and actually growing palm oil on land that is available and is already deforested? Like the UN's identified so much land that they, palm oil can be produced on. It doesn't need to involve any more like wonderful, valuable rainforest. We can move away from that. We just need people to get behind it and really, really push and demand deforestation-free palm oil instead of none, because that just means it's going to be, the demand will still be there. People are, they're boycotting when actually they're probably still buying it every day. So I think it's clear if we want to take action, our listeners want to take action on deforestation, Things to look at are reducing meat and dairy consumption. And if you want to avoid the palm oil issue, avoid your processed foods. What about shampoo? Because there's lots of palm oil in shampoo. Did you know that sodium lauryl sulfate, which is the thing that in shampoo that makes it go all frothy and foamy in your hair, did you know that's a derivative of palm oil? <gasps> oh, but um, surely my Lush shampoo things don't have it in them. Do we need to check shampoo bars by Lush? Yeah, I think actually you might find that some of them do. I'm actually looking at some shampoo bottles here that I grabbed from the shower. So the Faith in Nature one that I use, which I go and refill from my local shop to avoid the plastic waste, that actually has that has ammonium laureth sulfate, which Ooh. doesn't come from palm oil, but has some kind of vegetable derivative. So it's a very complicated issue well it had coconut oil didn't it yeah i think they're using coconut oil god so oh. there's monkeys again check, oh my check god. your monkeys check mm. out for the monkeys <laughs> well just looking at lush they're trying to find a sustainable palm free sls which is sodium lauryl sulfate and it sounds like it is a tricksy topic a tricksy tricksy topic so even the things that you think are sustainable might even have a sneaky bit of palm oil derivative in there so i think what we're saying is we can't demonize palm oil as one thing we need to think about it holistically and we need to basically probably just make our own cosmetics well i have to say i actually do make my own toothpaste and basically it's coconut oil i do get um one from an ethical brand an ethical coconut oil so coconut oil mint essential oil and bicarbonate of soda but then I realised that actually it was quite a lot of work to do that. So now I just brush my teeth with bicarbonate of soda. And I've been doing this probably for four or five years. I go to the dentist every six months. No problems with my teeth. I do make my own deodorant. I, I can be bothered to do that. Dentist approved bicarb of soda. Well, the original toothpaste was baking soda arm and hammer. Well, if any dentists are listening, can you please verify if bicarb of soda is a dentist approved uh, toothbrushing material? I don't, I think the thing is as well, we're really used to that frothy, soapy kind of bubbly feeling, which mm. makes our mouth feel clean and makes our hair feel clean and that's all comes from palm oil. Well, interestingly on this, back in the day, um, toothpaste used to be made from whale blubber so you know this is all these horrible yeah but this is the thing it used to be i remember when i was growing up my mum would buy whale free toothpaste so it's like you know all of these things just have issues they got mad issues okay well i'm not sure my dentist approved by car but yeah please dentist let us know is this okay we'd love to know so i guess takeaways from this 
It is a slippery, oily issue. It's a bit greasy. Uh, it's really hard to, to to take one particular stance. So we can see why the Iceland advert maybe did a bit more harm than good because it made everyone think that palm oil was the demon. But I think what I'm taking from this is it's our consumer culture that's the issue. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Exactly. Don't be angry at the Indonesians and Malaysians for wanting a better life. Actually, yeah, because I remember I was speaking to this guy in Indonesia when I was there a few years ago and I was just talking to him. I was saying, oh, Indonesia is such a beautiful country. It's the best country. It's got all the best plants, best trees. Look at all those beautiful flowers. Look at all these amazing animals. You've got tigers, you've got orangutans. It's this amazing area. And he was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And then I said, well, yeah, the tigers, though, I mean, there's so few of them left. They keep getting killed. And why everyone keeps killing them. And then he said, yeah, that's a good thing, though. I was so shocked to hear him say that. And I was like, why? Why is it possibly a good thing that the tigers are getting killed? And he was like, well, you wouldn't want to live next to a tiger. People live in the forest. The tigers kill them. So they kill the tigers. You know, it's it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a shocking opinion. But then I realized that I was being really kind of Western, white, privileged person looking over and saying, oh, look at those nice tigers running around in the jungle. It's mm. nice to have them. Let's not kill them. And he was like... Well, if it was in your back garden, would you want a tiger? Good point, good point. And I think this is um, really topical for the UK because there's lots of movements at the moment to try and rewild places and they're looking at bringing back things like wolves and lynx and things like this, which they used to be in this country. We used to have wild animals here and it's just because we've destroyed all the habitats that we don't have them. So, yeah, I mean, you know, a bit of uproar. And, yeah, I think it's this sort of idealisation of how other people should live because we've destroyed it all already. Yeah, it's like we need to have protected areas, obviously, for these wild animals to thrive. And I absolutely want to know that that's happening. But it's really difficult when you've got a very populated country like Indonesia to say that these individual people shouldn't live in those places mm. and these animals should. So tricky issues here. So I guess... Check yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I suppose, I mean, maybe the only thing is if we just... Uh, give up work, become housewives and just start making everything from scratch. <laughs> oh, Sorry, feminism. Sorry, feminism. And there's a podcast for that. It's called The Guilty Feminist. We can just spend all our days making our own shampoos and toothpastes and baking everything from scratch using no oil. Exactly. I mean, it's probably better for our health if we have less oil. <laughs> it is. It probably is. So, yeah, we hope you're a little bit clearer. Well, we know one thing that we can do. The boycott just by avoiding palm oil is not going to do anything. But you could sign a petition, which Greenpeace are currently running, which is all about trying to make brands accountable and stop using dirty palm oil. So I think this is probably what maybe got missed in the whole Rangtan video was actually a call that Greenpeace have said, let's get the brands to boycott the producers who are using deforested palm oil and get them to push up the supply chain and get accountability. Absolutely. So this is all about holding those suppliers of palm oil to account and demanding better transparency from them to stop them using deforestation and human rights abuses and creating all the issues we've talked about. So they've got just over 1,200,000 signatures. They're trying to get to 2 million. So check out Greenpeace petition, drop dirty palm oil. We'll put a link in the show notes. So Jess, do you think after all of this, we could cope with Greenwash Corner? 
I've, I don't know. I think we might have to give it a miss again this, I, this I really, time. Last episode we had Inspiration Corner and I think we should go there again. Okay, let's go to Inspiration Corner. So, on the topic of palm oil and alternatives to palm oil, there's an amazing innovation that's coming out of the University of Glasgow Strathclyde. Two guys have said that they have come up with a unique way to extract oil from used coffee grounds, which has a wide range of uses, including very similar properties to palm oil. Ooh! So, um, these guys came up with the idea when they were working in coffee shops when they were studying at university, and they saw how much coffee grounds were being wasted from coffee shops and they thought there must be a way to use it so they've been developing a way to extract the oils that mm. are left in and they have seen that actually a lot of the properties work in very much the same way so they've just got some funding to help develop the idea and we'll definitely be watching and seeing how that comes along and uh, on that so a bit of inspiration around the coffee grinds is there's a company called coffee logs and they take coffee grinds from uh, coffee shops around the uk and they actually made them into bricks that you can burn on your fire so they're they're replacing wood and they've also been extracting the oil and using it to sell onto the food industry as a coffee oil. So rather than using virgin coffee grinds to make coffee flavouring, they're actually, you can use the essence of these, the leftovers to do it. So again, it's reducing the need to use a virgin product. Circular economy in action. We like yes. it. So that concludes our episode today on palm oil. We hope this has helped you to navigate your local shop a bit easier. And on the topic of food, next time we're going to be going into a bit of a futuristic uh, vibe and looking at what is the future of food. Awesome. Looking forward to that. One more thing before we go. Last time we talked about the woke and confused workplace sessions. So this is when we come into your workplace and we host a session with your colleagues and your employees and we delve into some of these environmental issues and give you a chance to really inspire everyone to take action. If you are in the UK and you're interested in us potentially coming to your workplace, drop us an email. We will leave a link in the show notes. See you later, Jess. See you later, Livy.